you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the Podcast Network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods, and wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On NFL, our Monday show, bringing you the biggest stories with our local experts is brought to you today by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of becoming an NFL player, they enter another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Week 13 saw Carson Wentz benched. Could it be the dawning of the Jalen Hurts era? The Packers still beat the Eagles 30-16. to Taysom Hill and the Saints stay number one in the NFC. They moved to 10-2 with a 21-16 win over Matt Ryan and the Falcons. The New England Patriots destroy the L.A. Chargers 45 to nothing, And Patrick Mahomes staves off a game Denver Broncos team 22-16. to I'm going to be honest. The biggest story to Week 13 to me was one I did not see coming, and it was the Cleveland Browns putting the bang thing on the Tennessee Titans 41-35 in a game that, frankly, was not that close. I did not see the Browns winning this game, much less winning it convincingly. So Jeff Lloyd from Locked on Browns is going to help me make sense of this. And Jeff, we were talking before we came on that this might be Baker Mayfield's best performance since Oklahoma. He goes for 334 and four touchdowns, a passer rating approaching 150. What was different in this game for Mayfield that allowed the Browns to unlock this kind of offensive success, even without... Odell Beckham Jr. Well, part of the thing is, you know, look, we're getting to the point now where opposing defenses, you're aware of Nick Chubb, you're aware of Kareem Hunt, and you're going to try and sell out. Uh, look, that running game has been consistent, very, very consistent. And once you have Nick Chubb back, you saw the success the Browns have had over the last three weeks, stringing together three wins. You know, Baker Mayfield, look, I'm fine with this play. I really am. But I understand there's a lot of folks who aren't and are wishing for better. And there was going to be a time where Baker was going to have to do his thing. Well, today was that time when you're going to play Tennessee and you have Baltimore left on the schedule, you have Pittsburgh left. You can't always just put it on the running game. And Tennessee forced him to do that today. Uh, you, the, the play out of 13 personnel to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, now, look, you know, was a Michigan player, but still a six-round wide receiver. You have your ups and downs with a rookie wide receiver. They ran the play to perfection. He ran the route to perfection. Baker nailed it. They really haven't run a lot of vertical routes this year. Uh, it's just not been in the cards, and certainly without Odell Beckham Jr., it's not going to happen. Baker needed this game. He needed to make a statement to a lot of the naysayers, and God knows Baker loves to have the opportunity to do that. <laughs> he did that today in spades. And let's be honest, if this game wasn't 38-7 to at halftime, Baker Mayfield, we'd probably be talking about 425 
450. Right. Probably is where he would have ended up today. But the Browns chose to just basically kind of put the emergency brake on it, just nurse it home safely, get out of there healthy for the most part, and get ready uh, for you know Baltimore on Monday night. But big day, big day for six. And God knows he needed it because he's been doing enough. Um, but there comes times where you just want to be able to do it all. And essentially, that's what he did today. Even with the defense playing the way that it did, if I told you before the game that the Browns would rush for 118 and 3.3 yards per carry, uh, what would you have pegged the odds of them winning this game? I figured, no. I, I mean, look, I, I, I told you, I was very nervous about this game. Um, and the one thing I, I thought was maybe it was going to come down to quarterback play, so I was kind of right there. I thought both running games would eat a little bit. Um no, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, I really thought this was going to be a difficult game. And Tennessee, like, they have this model kind of similar going on to what they had last year, where they started to hit December, and then all of a sudden the passing game, the running game, everything was meshing with success. Uh, the Browns are okay. I mean, they, they'll they be okay with letting their running game, you know, essentially have a week off after they've been carrying it all this year. Um, but I was very, very indifferent about the possibilities of a victory today. Uh, just because, I mean, it's the simple part of it is, is you know, the Browns, I mean, look, their schedule is what it is. So I don't want to hear anyone complaining about who they beat or who, who they didn't beat. Every now and then you get a nice schedule every year. Um, and everybody, when I first come out, oh, well, that's an easy schedule. No, you don't know until the season comes, especially in 2020 uh, with Corona and everything that's gone. Right. Um, you know, look, it, it was a very, very difficult game for them. Uh, Tennessee is, you know, got some solid pieces and they're very comfortable in their own skin. But in the NFL, momentum is what? A light switch away, and that's what it was. Browns got cooking early, stopped the fourth down, got a turnover. And once you get up 17-0, you know you shouldn't lose those games uh, at all. You should never lose those games if you want to be considered a decent team. And that was the most important thing. I don't care that it was 41-35. to 35. I think they kind of just, you know, because if you're going to judge this like boxing, it was a knockout. Halftime, this was over. Yeah, it was done. I... I- I'm interested because I, I don't know that it, it changed a ton about how I feel about this team as a potential playoff team. I still think they're very clearly below, you know, a lot of the, the the teams that we talk about in the AFC. On the other hand, I feel like this told me a lot about what Kevin Stefanski can be as a head coach because what he was able to do unlocking Baker with the play action shot plays and, and getting, you know, Donovan People Jones. It, it looks pretty. He's wide open. But part of that is design. Part of that, obviously, is busted coverage as well. But to me, it said, OK, Stefanski is understanding what Mayfield can and cannot do, playing to those strengths and giving him an opportunity to be successful. And so if you're going to make a case for how they can be dangerous in the playoffs, it has to be with him doing things like this, scheming things up getting those play action shot plays and and Jeff that was what he was brought to Cleveland to do. Oh, he's he's done an incredible job. And we've kind of, you know, mentioned, you know, I'm um, well, I mean, you know, if you go by record 8 and 3, maybe you should be mentioned, you know, in you know, coach of the year, Brian right. Flores, obviously Mike Tomlin, these guys are all going to be in the mix as well. Um but today and now you look what Baker's done. We're over 150 consecutive pass attempts without an interception. 11 touchdowns over that time. Most importantly, the team is five and one over that time. That's that's oh. like that's really gelling. It does make you kind of wonder where this team would have been if they had gotten the appropriate practice time and they would have gotten extra time as a new head coaching staff in OTAs 
makes you wonder if it would have clicked a little bit earlier. At yeah. nine and three, I certainly don't care now. Um, but you know, and we <laughs> talked about this going into this game, whether it was Mark Sessler from the NFL Network and Pete Smith, who always does the pre and post game show, is like you're going to have to throw something at. Like, where when are we going to see something that we haven't seen yet? Because like you know, you always want something in your back pocket for these bigger opponents. Okay, Kendall Lamb tackle eligible, beautiful. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones in you know 13 personnel is the only wide receiver on the field. You see. Um, it was drawn. The play was called perfectly. Tennessee had 10 in the box and Dan Orlovsky did a great job breaking this down. They snapped the ball. Nine guys were coming forward. That literally meant on this cornerback, you better at least tackle him on this square out uh, if they throw it there. Nope. He got beat <laughs> on it. And, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the one thing we do know that he is right now, he's a world class athlete. Yep. And he was able to pull that off. And, you know, that basically just got it going. And we all know Baker is a rhythm guy for good or for bad. Um, you know, he's a roller coaster guy. If it's going bad, like he gets more in his own head and it seems sometimes things get to go worse. When things are going really, really good, he's just, let's go, let's go, give me the next one. What do we got next? And I think they really did a nice job. And, you know, one of the things we talked about this team is their tight ends. They were barely used today. They went into this today with, you know, Jarvis Landry. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, 20 receptions, and they only suited up three of their real wide receivers. The fourth wide receiver on the roster today was called up from the practice squad and has barely yeah. you know, had a sniff at anything. So it was just a great day. And you see where Coach Stefanski's at, and he's so level-headed. And the thing is, you know, there's been coaches in here in the past. If they were 9-3 and three right now, you know, we, we'd be worried about them getting a DUI, you know, streaking literally in the streets because they were so – for him, it's just he does his work day in, day out. He is a consummate, consummate professional. It obviously was in within his DNA with his father being as you know invested in the NBA as he has been for so long. It's just so refreshing to see Peter and the cover because, like you know, when it's real, like you know when you get to that point with you know the person who's going to be your significant other, your what you like, you know when it's real. And the one thing I know right now about this Cleveland Browns franchise is. They have their coach. Well, uh, we I, I think you're you're right to point out that we don't know if the team as currently co- constructed is real, but it does seem like they have their coach. And we'll find out a lot more about, about the realness of this team down the stretch here. They have some games where they're going to get a chance to prove it. They started to prove it on Sunday. Jeff, I appreciate it, man. Oh, anytime, anytime, Pete. Uh, and best to you and your family and everybody. You know, Happy holidays. Everybody stay safe. Before we move on, today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. You could say you've got plenty on your plate. Well, why not literally have plenty on your plate? You want Chinese, you want pizza, you want Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open to you with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. And they have over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, which means you can support your local businesses or your favorite national chains, Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory, and of course, all of your local favorites. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKED ON. 
Salon. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. For whatever reason, one of the games that flew a little bit under the radar coming into this week was the Rams at the Cardinals' major NFC playoff implications. The Rams' monster win, 38-28, over the Cardinals on Sunday. Jared Goff, 351 and a touchdown. The running game, uh, not not incredibly successful in the way that we normally see from a Sean McVay team, but they were able to get enough Sosa Kermenjos from Locked on Rams joining me now. And and Sosa, it does seem like, you know, the, the whatever, it's the Jared Goff jokes or whatever it is, that this Rams team at 8-4, and four, the three seed in the NFC, it seems like they are flying a little bit under the radar in the NFC playoff picture right now. You know, I think they are, and maybe deservedly so. You know, every bi-weekly, uh, you get a stinker of a performance from this team. It feels mm-hmm. like they go back to, you know, the <laughs> Miami Dolphins game. They looked absolutely brutal. And then two weeks later or a week later, again, San Fran, the first time around, not pretty. And then again, San Fran last week in week 12, not pretty. So, you know, I, I feel like they can get forgotten relatively quickly. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, Jared Goff, he might put up a stinker performance and people don't really give him the respect maybe that he – deserves and i understand the criticisms and all that um but again you know the rams are eight and four uh the first in the nfc west right now third in the nfc in general uh you look at sean McVay and jared goff against the arizona cardinals i mean sean McVay is seven and zero against him in his career as a head coach wow. uh jared goff seven and one with his only loss coming in 2016 under jeff fisher which i guess we could pretty much throw out the window as of right now mm-hmm. uh, and the rams look talented you know they look like one of the more complete teams i'd say in the nfc and in the nfl uh and their defense for once you know under the sean McVay regime is probably better than the offense which is kind of weird but uh they've been playing really well so far yeah and and you mentioned the defense you know the rams get the pick six we know what what Aaron Donald is capable of. It does seem like if there is something that separates them potentially from some of these other teams, you know, we saw the Seahawks and some of the flaws that they had. We know the Packers, their defense is a little bit inconsistent. The Buccaneers have some offensive inconsistencies and apparently have their defense's kryptonite is the is the Saints. But it, it does look like the Rams, when they're clicking, have the chance to be the most complete team in the NFC. Yeah, you know, I think they have a a case to be made for sure. You look at, you know, the defense, man, they've been incredible this season prior to today, uh, which, you know, Sunday, depending on when this comes out. uh, In week 13, the Rams only allowed two second half uh, touchdowns all season. So, you know, I think in week 13 in this game, I think they allowed two, if my memory serves me correctly. So four all season in the second half Uh, prior to week 13, they averaged four and a half. 4.4 4.4 exactly uh, points per game allowed in the second halves of games this season. So they turn it on when it, when it's most important, right? And then you look at uh, their performances in the most important games against guys like Russell Wilson, who was an MVP hopeful. They shut him down a few weeks ago. Uh, you look at, you know, a week or two later, Tom Brady, an MVP hopeful. The Rams defense again steps up to the occasion. And then here again in week 13, you know, you look at Kyler Murray, another MVP hopeful. All the guys that are sort of in the front runner situation there when it comes to the MVP award. And the defense played great against all of them. So uh, we didn't even mention the offense. You know, they kind of took a step back compared to that 2018 offense that the Rams, you know, so were kind of made famous for and, and they're definitely not as good as they were back then. 
Uh, but I feel like the offense is probably about league average right now with the potential to be a little bit better. Uh, and then you look at the defense, and they're definitely one of the best defenses in the league uh, so long as the special teams doesn't really implode, which has kind of been a theme this season for the Rams. Uh, they definitely have a case to be made, I think, to be arguably one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Yeah, and in the second half, the, the Cardinals did score three touchdowns, but the also uh, Rams got that pick six. So maybe net two touchdowns. We mm-hmm. can go with that. That works. Uh, and it does seem like offensively, you know, you mentioned the Jared Goff, you know, the jokes or whatever, and, and the step back that this team has taken. And maybe it's not a step back because last year they had their issues as well. They, they do seem like they're playing better this year than they were last year. Certainly they're more dynamic than they were last year because they're healthy. I mean, it, why can't this team be the team that gets hot in January? It seems like they have the talent. You know, if you told me they're the Super Bowl representative from the NFC, I don't know. I wouldn't be that surprised by that. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, like you mentioned, they do have a chance to get hot here, moving, you know, towards the playoffs and then kind of getting into the playoffs there in January. Uh, and one of the reasons, I think, is that they still have a lot of potential to, you know, that's untapped here. You look at uh, yeah. rookies in Van Jefferson and Cam Akers, and they really haven't played all that much up until this point in the season. And uh, these are two guys that the Rams both drafted in the second round of the past draft. Uh, they were their two first picks on a team that, you know, had a lot of needs, a lot of guys leaving on the defensive side of the ball and offensive line that was coming into the season with a lot of question marks. Uh, and the Rams chose these guys for a reason. Now, they haven't really played much up until this point. And, you know, they're starting to slowly figure in more into the offense. Now, you see K-Makers with 22 touches today, in, which is by far his career high. Uh, and you look at, you know, the remaining names at the running back position, none of those guys had more than five touches. So it kind of looks like it's starting to become the Cam Akers show in the backfield. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, Van Jefferson, a guy who has been pretty much the only deep vertical threat for the Rams this season from the wide receiver position. So I think the Rams are going to try to get these guys more involved moving forward. And the more opportunities they get the more involved they become in the offense i think the more explosive and acceleration that you know this offense gets i think these guys provide a lot of big play potential for the offense and that's one of the areas that they've been sorely lacking in uh if they can kind of start to you know become bigger factors here get more comfortable start to create some big plays like we expect them to for the offense i don't see why the offense can't take another step forward uh start to improve on you know how they played in the first half of the season and the Rams ultimately become one of those teams that starts to get hot because of an offense that's slowly, you know, reverting to at least league average, if not better, starting to improve and couple that with a defense that may be the best defense in football. I don't see why the Rams uh, can't be one of those teams that get really hot here in December. Yeah, Cam Akers, 59 attempts on the season, had 21 on Sunday. So really could become a, a bigger part of this offense. I know fantasy heads were a big fan of his coming in. So could be one of those X factors as we come down here in the stretch and into January. Sosa, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. One of the biggest upsets of week 13, maybe of the season, was the New York Giants taking down the Seattle Seahawks 17-12, to not with Daniel Jones, but with Colt McCoy. Joining me now to make sense of what we saw on Sunday, Patricia Trena from Locked on Giants. And Patricia, this was a game in which the, the Giants defense really shined, shutting down Russell Wilson, really shutting down the Russell Wilson MVP campaign. It died in this game. 
What did you see from the Giants who are now, by the way, in first place in the NFC East and look like the maybe the best team in that division, albeit a low bar? Yeah, I mean, the Giants defense has been tremendous. I mean, you go back even to, to when they were losing games. I mean, the defense, with the exception of the week three game against the 49ers, the Giants have never really been blown out. And that's because of mm-hmm. that defense. That defense has kept them in games. And, you know, the the thing about that defense that's just so fascinating to watch is, you know, you watch it on the on the screen and you say, okay, they're gonna run this, and then they they run something totally different. Patrick Graham does such a good job of disguising uh, you know, the various coverages and what he's running. And it's not only confusing young quarterbacks, but it's confusing veteran quarterbacks we saw that you know in in a loss to tampa bay against tom brady who's been playing in the nfl forever russell wilson looked like he was hesitant you know this week against the giants wasn't sure what he was seeing and the giants have been able to swarm and capitalize on that and i think that's been a tremendous difference in how they're playing as a defensive unit versus last year yeah five sacks uh, they had a 10 QB hits. They batted away seven passes. I mean, the defense really played some tremendous football. Offensively, I think, was where most of us thought that they just wouldn't be able to be good enough with Colt McCoy. And, and the numbers from McCoy were not good. He averaged under five yards and a tenth. But Wayne Gallman comes out and, and has 16 carries for a buck 35 and really leads this offense. They only score 17 points, but they only needed that 17 with with uh, the defense holding the Seahawks to 12. Is this something that you think, you know, let's say Daniel Jones comes back in a week or two that this Giants team can can really push forward and and, you know, make a run at the NFC and be a dangerous team in the playoffs. We've seen them now beat the Seahawks and nearly beat the Buccaneers, two teams we think are very much in the mix in the NFC. Yeah, you know, the thing about the Giants, it's interesting. They talk about how they forget about what they did the week before, that it's not going to help them the following week. I call, you know, BS on that. And because, you know, look, they're building up <laughs> they're building up um, confidence. They're building up some momentum. It's like when you yep. figure out that, how to do something for the first time and you do it well – that puts confidence in you so that when you go and you try to do it the next time, you feel more comfortable and more confident in being able to replicate the success you had prior. So that's what you're kind of seeing with sure. this offense. And, you know, you mentioned the run game. I've been, you know, screaming about Wayne Gallman for ever since he was drafted. I, I, I think my Twitter followers um, actually laugh at me because every, you know, at least once a game, <laughs> I say, I love how Wayne Gallman runs. Well, now you're seeing why I love how Wayne, why uh, how Wayne Gallman runs. He's just so good. Sure. Um, once he gets on a, a on a roll, you know he he's tremendous, and it's just a damn shame that he was kept on the bench and banished to the doghouse by the two prior uh, coaching staffs. And to an extent, he he would have stayed on the bench and probably been somebody we wouldn't have heard about had Saquon Barkley not gotten injured and had. Devonta Freeman not right. gotten injured. So I'm really happy for Wayne. He's a great guy. Um, I've spoken to him numerous times and he's finally showing everybody, you know, those little flashes that that you you had to be blind to miss and and he's helping the team. 
it's kind of remarkable how many running backs on this Giants roster you can name between Saquon, Devonta Freeman, Gallman, Alfred Morris, who's a former thousand yard rusher, Deion Lewis, who's a former Patriot and 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 someone who's been in these big moments. The, the Giants have been in the headlines this year, I think, most for the, coverage, the the casual NFL fan for some of the tabloid stuff. Obviously, the Joe Judge fight was something that was that was big nationally. But this is a team that has, has quietly put together some quality football. What do you think, you know, the non-Giants fans out there are missing about this team that would maybe surprise them if they, you know, maybe watched on Sunday or watch them next week or even in January where, you know, they could be playing playoff football? Yeah, I think what, what people overlook with this team is even though there's no superstars on this team, I mean, you, you, maybe you can say Logan Ryan, you might be able to make a case for James Bradbury maybe even for Blake Martinez, but really this is a team of no names. If you think about it, you have a yeah. bunch of guys who, you know, haven't really, they're not household names. And it reminds me a lot of the Giants Super Bowl team. Now, you know, in terms of not having a lot of whole household names and that, you know, it, it's interesting because there are some people out there that, that believe in the dream team concept, you know, let's go get the biggest name we can find and sign him and put him on the team. And we've seen that right. that doesn't work in the NFL. And I think the way the giants put this roster together, when you have guys like Nico Lalos, Tay Crowder, uh, Caden Smith, Alfred Morris, uh, Eli Penny, and so on and so forth, contributing to the cause these aren't household names, but these are guys that are getting the job done. And that's what makes this team so fun to watch because you just never know who's going to be the guy that steps up that week and really, you know, grabs the headline. I'm convinced you made at least three of those names up. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't. Patricia, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you didn't. Uh, but uh, this is this is certainly a team that I think people are going to have to take notice of, you know, whether it was with Tampa Bay, you know, obviously the the Buccaneers ended up pulling that game out. But but slaying the Giants, so to speak, I think is going to make other teams in the NFC. And I think fan bases of other teams in the NFC stand up and take notice and say, hey, this is a team that. You know, we're, we're not just going to be able to roll in there and get a win against. And, uh, you know, that means that that hopefully you and I will be talking again here in, in late December and January, which would be fun. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I mean, look, it's been a long, long time. You know, 2016 was the last time the Giants made it to the playoff. And, um, you know, it looks like they're headed that way. There's still some time left. So you don't want to count your chickens before they're hatched. But you know, this was definitely a step in the right direction. And with the Giants set to play the next four games, with starting this week against teams that had winning records, or you know, in the case of the Cardinals, now that I think the Cardinals are at 500, this was going to yep. be a really good test for them. And they they came through and and delivered. Yep, this it's going to be a team to watch down the stretch, Patricia. I appreciate it. No problem. Before we finish up, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar makes the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and it's even more delicious than ever with six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and a whole bunch more. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Not like some protein bars that are out there. A lot of health foods that are out there feel like homework for you to eat. You taste it and you go, yeah, this is this is health food. And it's gritty and it's tough to chew. Built Bar is not like that at all. It is legitimately delicious. 
And the kicker, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Right now, go to BillBar.com and use promo code locked on to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on to get 20% off at BillBar.com. It was a game that the outcome was not surprising, but how we got there was the Las Vegas Raiders take down the New York Jets 31-28. Duh, right? Except this looks like the Raiders were going to lose. The Jets were going to win. They were going to blow the number one pick. And yet, as time basically expires, Derek Carr hits Henry Ruggs for the game winner. Joining me now from Locked on Raiders and Locked on NFL, it's your boy Q. Q. What's your what's your heart rate at currently? I mean, it's still pounding out of my chest right now. You know, I've been trying to I've been trying to find something to put into my body to slow down my heart rate right now. But uh, yeah, the the inevitable happened at the end, which I, I just thought was like, yeah, there's a chance that this could happen, but there's not really a chance it could happen. And then lo and behold, it happened. And I just again still can't believe it, even though it's way later past the game. But it it, it ultimately happened, man. I was trying to figure out if there's ever been a team that beat the best team in football and lost to the worst team in football in the same season. Because that's what the Raiders would have been in line to do. I mean, it seems like they're the only team that can hang with the Chiefs. And yet they were they were in line to, to lose to the Jets. But now with the win, they're seven and five. They look like they have a good chance to at least make the playoffs. Does this game do anything in terms of the way that you view this team as a potential playoff contender? Well, until that last catch by Henry Ruggs to win the game, I was basically about to write off the season. You know, I've been saying that the Raiders needed to win four out of their last five. But if you drop back-to-back games to the Falcons and then the Jets who hadn't won a game, what makes me think you're going to go and beat the Colts, the Dolphins, uh, the Chargers, and then the Broncos? You know, I just saw I, I just basically was going to write that, that, uh, that, that game off and that season off. And then, of course, Henry Ruggs comes up with that big touchdown catch and uh, wins the game and gives them life. You know, they still have a heartbeat. They still have some blood flowing through their veins at seven and five. Like you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of things that have to go right for them because, well, the Colts won, uh, the Browns won, uh, the Dolphins won, you know, all these teams that are that are kind of right in front of them uh, for a playoff spot all won. So they needed to try to at least somewhat keep pace. And with that last second victory, they did. But uh, yeah, they 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 pulled off one of the one of the four wins that they got to get. They got to find three more now in four games. Yeah, just when you thought you were out, they pull you back in. That is that is what every sports team does with their fans. Uh, when you look at this team and their ability to find different ways uh, to 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 win games, the offense clearly has been the thing that has carried them this season. And we know how good Darren Waller is as a tight end. I think he's he's earned the national respect that he has gotten over the last year or two. This was a special performance from him. 13 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. The, the Jets had no answers. I don't know if anyone has any answers. If we're going to look at this team and say, okay, how could they go in and, and give one of these top AFC teams trouble in the first round? That has to be the number one thing you point to and say, okay, can you stop Darren Waller? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, he was a man-child on Sunday versus the Jets. And uh, like you said, 13 catches, 200 yards, two TDs. That's a career best right there for Waller, who really the past few weeks hadn't been showing out like that. Uh, I think everyone in Raider Nation realizes Darren Waller has the ability to put in a performance like that, but was just waiting for him to kind of bounce back and have a big-time game. And when they needed it the most, that he came up with it against the Jets. And it sounds funny to say that, but they were without their number one running back in Josh Jacobs. They were without their yep. starting safety in Jonathan Abrams. So 
there were some guys down, you know, and they, they just needed someone, one of their stars to step up and say, hey, don't worry, guys, get on my back and I'll lead you. And that's what good players do. And you know that very well covering the NFL like a glove, man. I mean, across the league, really, really good players will step up and say, I got you. Don't worry about it. And that's what Darren Waller did on Sunday. And uh, so that was great to see. And I do think with four games left in the season, uh, they, they need to make sure they continue to feed that beast, which is Darren Waller. Just just capping your point, are, are we not talking about Derek Carr enough in that just when we need to play, I can get it for you? Because to me, uh, he's been really underrated the last season and a half, and, and I think he's been really good again this year. Yeah, no, he has. Uh, he had that terrible game against Atlanta. Uh, the whole Raiders team right. had a terrible game against Awful. Atlanta. Carr <laughs> has been great, you know, and, and matter of fact, on Sunday, he set an NFL record for the most fourth quarter comebacks in league history through a player's first seven seasons with 20. Wow. So uh, if, if what that proves is if Derek Carr is close and has an opportunity and he has the ball in his hand, he can make things happen, you know, and he did. And, and he still believed, even though there was a few passes that he had throughout that game on Sunday that I kind of scratched my head and said, you know, what happened on that? Matter of fact, the play before Henry Ruggs catches that that uh, ball, he yep. overthrows uh, Nelson Aguilar, who was wide open. <laughs> he just overthrows him. So, uh, you know, I thought there's no way that a, a wide receiver is going to get behind the defense twice. Well, lo and behold, the Jets found a way to jet it up, and uh, yeah, they, they let that happen. And so uh, the Raiders come out with a victory, and I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it was most, uh, most likely not to happen. Uh, hey, wins are wins. They all look the same in the win column, and the Raiders got one on Sunday. Yeah, Greg Williams said, hold my beer on getting behind the defense. And if I needed to score late in the game, Q, you would be my guy. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> no doubt. I appreciate you. An unusually loaded slate the rest of the way. We have three more games in week 13. Washington and the Steelers open up the Monday night slate. We got Bills. 49ers is the late game. And then on Tuesday, Tuesday night football, Ravens-Cowboys. Ross Jackson and Luke Braun get you set for those games tomorrow. And then even another set of games to get ready for on Tuesday. So a lot to get to this week on Locked on NFL. Thanks for being with us today. We're here every Monday to bring you the biggest stories with our local experts. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network on Twitter at Locked on NFL pods. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on NFL. We're here every day to get you your fix on your favorite sports league. So stay Locked on NFL.